This morning's scripture will be taken from Proverbs 31, verses 30 through 31. Proverbs 31, verses 30 through 31. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord shall she shall be praised. Give her a fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. Good morning and welcome again. We want to wish all of our mothers a happy Mother's Day. We trust that today will be a special day for you. We're grateful to each of you for the great influence and love that you have shown through the years. We're so thankful that you have been such a guiding light in the lives of so many of us here today. I'm sure that we have many mothers and probably any number of grandmothers, but I suspect that we might even have some great-grandmothers and maybe great-great-grandmothers. And if that be the case, we want to honor you as well. We're going to be looking today at Proverbs chapter 31. And I want us to look specifically today at verses 1 through 9. We're going to be talking about the theme, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. I want to begin by saying that one of the greatest blessings known to man is parenthood. It is a tremendous blessing to bring a newborn child into this world. The psalmist in the long ago said, Behold, children are an heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. If you are a mother or father, then you are truly blessed. It is a great thing to have someone that is literally bone of your bones and flesh of your flesh. It may be the case that you have adopted children. And many of us have family members that have adopted children. And to me, those are like flesh and blood. We make no distinction between them. But it is a great thing to be a parent. And I want us to think for a moment or two about the influence that mothers have over their, over their children. And today we're going to be talking about the hand that rocks the cradle, rules the world. Because when it's all said and done, those of us who live here on planet Earth, we are here because... We have a mama and we have a daddy. But today we're going to talk primarily about the influence of a mother. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 9. And there are a couple of things that I want us to think about as we look at Proverbs chapter 31. Typically when we look at the book of Proverbs, we think about the great words of wisdom that are collected in this great book. And there are a lot of great Proverbs. There are a lot of great truths, maxims, if you please, that are found in this book. And this book is a very practical book. And if you'll take the things that are written here and make application to your own life, I really believe you'll be blessed. But in this context, we have a mother setting forth what I believe to be some guidelines for her son. Now, she is addressing her son as King Lemuel. There are a lot of people that have questioned who this particular king was. 
And when it's all said and done, the fact of the matter is we really don't know. Some would speculate that it was Solomon, but really there's no evidence for that. All we know is that this man was a king and that he had a mother. And so she sought to give him some guidance so that he might be an effective leader or ruler. And so we want to think about what she had to say. Two things here. First of all, I want to suggest that she, that she issued her son a preemptive warning. And really what she did, she set before her son some inherent dangers. Now, this mother is addressing her son as a king. And so we think about somebody who has great authority, somebody who has a great deal of influence in his life. But I want you to think about it from this vantage point. As a mother, your child, whether a son or daughter, will one day be a future leader in this nation or in this world. Whatever profession they choose, they will one day, to some extent, be a leader. And so by way of application, it could very well be the case that we have in our assembly today a young person who will one day be a city council member, a mayor. It might be the case that one day one of our young people will be a governor, a senator, a congressperson, maybe even a president. Who knows? The sky's the limit. But nonetheless, look at some of the dangers that she addresses. And really she talks about two very specific dangers that are not uncommon to any child. Whether rich or poor, black or white, educated, uneducated, really whatever, whatever state a child may find themselves in, these are inherent dangers. So number one, she begins by talking about the need to abstain from what we would call unwholesome vices. There are some things that if you choose to do in this life, the bottom line is they're gonna get you in trouble. And so she specifically addresses two things that would be common pitfalls to any person in a leadership position. First and foremost, she addresses the problem of immorality. Listen to what she says beginning in verse one, or listen to what the writer says. The words of King Lemuel, the utterance which his mother taught him. What my son, and what son of my womb, and what son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women, nor your ways to that which destroys kings. I think about a mother who has long desired a child, someone like Hannah. You remember Hannah wanted a child, and so she prayed to God. And in that prayer, she said, if God would grant her the petition that she asked of him, she would give that child in service to Almighty God. So here's a woman, she has prayed, I believe, for a child, and God has granted her petition. And so now she's trying to put him on the right road. She's trying to say, look, here are some things that if you will do these things, they will, they will help you avoid some real dangers in this life. And the first one has to do with immorality. Listen again to what she said. Do not give your strength to women nor your ways to that which destroys kings. Now I want to say this to our young people, and I'm sure that there are 
Many of you here today who are mothers and fathers, and you have probably said this to your children, but I wanna say it as well. To our young people, I would say, remain pure. Remain sexually pure. Save yourself from marriage. There's a lot to be said for striving to live a life that is pure, sexually speaking. I understand we live in a world today where sexual promiscuity is rampant and there are a lot of people young and old, they see no reason to keep themselves for marriage. Well, I believe that the Bible teaches that young people as well as older people, that we are to remain pure and that the marriage bed is undefiled. There's nothing wrong with sexual relations in the context of marriage, but outside of marriage, according to the Bible, it would be sinful. Now in 1 Timothy chapter 5 at verse 14, the Apostle Paul gives what I believe to be the proper, the proper manner for childbearing. He said his desire was that the younger women would marry and then bear children. Look at our world today. And look at how many unwed mothers there are in our nation. We have people in the church that have not escaped this problem. Sometimes children have disappointed those of us who are parents. But what we're trying to say is, and what I believe this mother was trying to say is, if you will remain sexually pure, if you'll try to do what's right, you can save yourself a lot of heartache. There are a lot of young people in our world today, there are a lot of older people that need to understand immorality is wrong. We, we live in a day and time when television parades sexual improprieties. It wasn't that long ago that a sitting president got into a lot of trouble because of a sexual liaison with a young lady. He could have saved himself a lot of heartache, a lot of trouble, a lot of problems had he just done the right thing. Well, you see, that's what this woman is saying. She's saying, avoid immorality. But then there is a second thing that she addresses. And this has to do with intoxicants. Listen now to what is said beginning in verse 4. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princesses intoxicating drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the justice of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to him who is perishing and wine to those who are bitter of heart. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. I think what this woman was saying to her son was, save yourself from misery. What kind of misery are we talking about? The misery that is attached to intoxicating beverages. There are a lot of statistics out there. If you want to do a search, you can find out that there are a lot of people whose lives have literally been turned upside down because they have chosen to drink alcoholic beverages. We have a major problem in our world today and in this nation. One is alcohol, another are other forms of drugs that are used recreationally. 
There are a lot of people in our world today, they are enslaved to alcohol. Here's what Solomon said in chapter 20 at verse 1. He said, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging. Whoever is deceived thereby is not wise. In chapter 23 at verse 29, he asked a series of questions. He asked, who has woes? Who has sorrows? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? You know what his response was? Those who tarry long at wine. Those who go in search of mixed wine. What Solomon was saying, and we typically deem Solomon to be a man of great wisdom, and he was. Solomon made a lot of foolish mistakes in his life, but what he said in the book of Proverbs, he was right on. And all Solomon was saying in the long ago is, you want to heap untold misery on your life, then just drink alcohol. As a parent, what I would tell my child, stay away from alcohol. As a parent today, my encouragement to all of our young people, you want to save yourself from untold miseries, then do not even think about drinking alcohol. There are going to be kids at school. There are going to be kids that are going to tell you, you can have fun. This is the way to live. If you want to really have some fun, fun go out and drink. Enjoy yourself. Let me tell you, there are a lot of people in eternity today because of alcoholic beverages and other forms of drugs. And alcohol is a drug. Whether we like it or not, it's a drug. And so that's what this mother, that's what this wise mother was saying to her, to her son. Let me give you a couple of reasons why you need to stay away from alcohol. I think it breeds two very specific things. Number one, it breeds delinquency. Listen, if you would, to what is said in verse 5. Now, in verse 4, she says, It's not for kings, O Lemuel, it's not for kings to drink wine, nor for princesses intoxicating drink. Why? Lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the justice of all the afflicted. I think what she's saying is that when you use alcoholic beverages, it impairs your judgment. That's why there are so many people whose lives are train wrecks because they use alcohol and it impairs their judgments. Look at the people in our world today that are delinquents. Look at people in our world today who are in trouble with the law. Many times they're in trouble with the law because of drinking, because of drinking and driving, because of using other forms of drugs. This woman, this woman had it right. Stay away from these things. It only breeds heartache. There's a second reason, and that is destruction. Listen to verse 6. Give strong drink to him who is perishing. You want a sure end to destruction? You want to make sure that your life is in, is in tatters? You want to make sure that your life is upside down? That you are constantly wondering what's going on with your life and with your world? Let me tell you what. You choose to live a life that's consumed by alcohol and other forms of recreational drugs. I promise you, you will have misery untold. You will have any number of troubles. And this woman, she's saying to her son... And he was in a leadership position, and there are many people today in leadership positions in our government, and they have problems with alcohol. 
Some of the laws that have been enacted in our country today and some of the things that are being done in our country, you have to wonder if a whole bunch of people aren't having trouble with alcohol because their judgment is truly impaired. Some of the decisions that they make are off course. This woman said that, that alcohol leads to the perversion of justice and it leads to somebody whose life will be destroyed. Now there's a second thing I want you to see in our study today. First, she issues her son a preemptive warning. Secondly, she instructs her son to perform good works. What are some of his duties? Now this man was a king as we well know. And I think what she was saying is, use your life as a servant for the people. This man's in a leadership position. He is a servant on behalf of the people. The last time I checked, those who function in our government, they are to be servants. Seems to me that many of the people in our government today are self-serving rather than serving. But nonetheless, this lady is saying, what you need to do is be a servant for the people. <clears throat> now there are a couple of things here I want to share with you. First of all, she says you need to be an advocate for the less fortunate. For those who don't have a voice. You need to be their voice. You need to speak up on their behalf. Listen to what is said in verse 8. Open your mouth for the speechless. That is, those who don't have a voice. In the cause of all who are appointed to die, open your mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. Now there are a lot of things that we could say along these lines, and I guess first and foremost, as a leader, I think what she was saying is you need to be bold enough, you need to be man enough to stand up for what is right. Now, by way of application, I think about our young people here today. Look at the state of our country. Those of us who have been around for a while, we understand that America is not what it used to be. That's a fact. This country is not what it was when I was a child growing up in Chattanooga, Tennessee. It's changed dramatically. The landscape of our country has been altered greatly. It may be the case that there are a lot of contributory factors as to why we are where we are in, in, our, in our nation today. If we are going to affect change in our nation, here's what it's going to take. It's going to take godly mamas and daddies saying, you know what, we have had enough of the foolishness that's going on in our nation. What we're gonna do, we're gonna teach our children the proper values of life. We're gonna instill within them principles of Christianity. You remember what Paul said in Ephesians 6 verse four? Bring up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That is still good scripture. Our country today needs a healthy dose of Ephesians chapter six verse four. We need to understand that except the Lord build the house, those who labor, labor in vain. 
Furthermore, we need to understand that a house divided against itself cannot stand. A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. That's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12. We as a nation of people, we are divided, we are fractured. We have a lot of problems. But from a positive vantage point, we can turn this thing around. But it's going to take godly mamas and godly daddies recognizing that their children, your children, my children, will one day be in positions of power, in positions of leadership. And so you are the key to changing this nation. I think about our young people here today. Who knows what great abilities our young people possess? We have the potential here to begin changing this nation. But we've got to instill within them proper principles. Let me just share with you three principles. We talk about standing up for what's right. I think about those who are in, in realms of government. They need to hear what Solomon said in Proverbs 14 verse 34. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach unto any people. It is no compliment to our nation to see the moral landscape literally turned upside down. It's no compliment to our nation to see the problems that we have in our nation today regarding drugs and alcohol and crime, etc. Three things I believe that we need young people to stand up for. First and foremost, I believe our young people need to stand up for that which is judicially right. Look at our court system. It's a mess. There are individuals that commit crimes all across our nation. And sadly, many people walk without anything more than a slap on the wrist. Tell me how somebody can kill a person in, well, Tell, somebody, tell me how somebody can kill somebody in cold blood and get 50-something days in a mental institution. Tell me how individuals all across our country can be responsible for the deaths of other people, can commit heinous crimes, and then walk. Romans chapter 13 is there for a reason. Paul talks about the civil government. The civil government is intended to be used for the good of the people. And I think what, what Paul is saying in that context is that the civil government is to protect the rights of the innocent. And so to our young people, I would say if you choose a life of law enforcement, if you choose to one day engage in a career in the field of law, then stand up for that which is judicially right. We need, we need people today that will stand up and say, you know what, our court system, it needs an overhauling. We're not gonna change that in a day, a week, not even in a year. But a new generation can come on the scene that can make changes for the good of this nation. And then I think about socially. Let me ask this question. What's the answer 
to the social ills of our nation. I don't believe that our, our leaders understand what, what people really need. I'm not sure that our nation today understands what it means to live by the book. I'm talking about living by the Bible. Let me just give you some, some rules for living that would help us socially. Let me just share with you a couple of principles from Scripture. First, Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, we call it the golden rule. And the golden rule, in short, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Can you imagine if people in, in government, if people in all walks of life would simply take Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, and implement that into their lives, what a radical change it would be in our world today? It may be that there are people in our country today, that's not for them. They're not going to listen to what Matthew chapter 7, verse 12 says. But there is a young generation here, they believe what Matthew chapter 7, verse 12 says. They believe it and they want to enforce it. In other words, they want to encourage it. Wouldn't it be great within the next 20 years or so to see people treating one another as God would have them to treat one another? Let me give you another verse, John chapter 13, where Jesus said, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. Our world today is sadly lacking in love. Our nation today. If I genuinely love another person, you know what? I'm not going to put a handgun in his face or her face and pull the trigger. If I genuinely love somebody, I'm not going to steal from them. I'm not going to be dishonest to them. I'm not going to mistreat them. Why? Because that's not what the Lord would have me to do. These are ways that we can affect change in our society. And then also I think about what the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 12. When he said, as much as in you lieth, be at peace with all men. You and I, we serve the Prince of Peace, according to Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. Jesus came to give peace, and the only way that we can have peace in our world is for people to understand the principles of Christianity. Islam's not going to bring peace to this nation or to this world. I can promise you that. There are a lot of other religions out there that are not going to promote peace, but Christianity does. And so, judicially, socially, and then morally. Could I just say that our country is morally bankrupt? Would you believe that? Very disheartening this week to hear that our president, said that his views on homosexuality have been evolving. Well, you know, the last time I checked scripture, God's word has not changed. God's word has not evolved in the realm of homosexuality. You can go back 3,500 years. You know what the Bible said? It's wrong. Go back 2,000 years. You know what the Bible said? It's wrong. Marriage is between one man and one woman. That's what Jesus said. Jesus has all authority, Matthew 28, 18. He said, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. 
I feel for people caught up in a homosexual lifestyle. I really do. I understand that there are a lot of arguments that are being employed by people, but listen to me, please. Homosexuality is immorality. It is sin. That's what the Bible says. I don't care if you are a president. I don't care if you are a senator. I don't care if you are a congressman. I don't care if you're a mayor. The fact of the matter is, it's wrong. It's always been wrong, and it will always be wrong. We need some mamas and daddies that will begin teaching their children right now. That just because somebody in Washington says it's okay, it's not okay. It's wrong. When Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, he said that those who engage in homosexuality shall not inherit the kingdom of God. How do you want me to say that? There's no other way to say it. That's what scripture says. Are we going to alter the word of God so that it might somehow appease our lifestyle? So, this, this woman is saying what you need to do as a man in a leadership position, you need to stand up for what's right. She said, open your mouth and judge righteously. Here's what we need today. We need individuals, men and women, who will judge righteously, who will make decisions for the betterment of our nation without the fear of what others say, but based on truth. This thing that, this thing that just took place this past week, in which the president and vice president of our nation came out on homosexuality. Let me tell you what, when you, when you boil it all down, it's about one thing, it's about politics. It's what it's about. I, I don't care, I don't care if somebody is a Republican or a Democrat, what people need to understand is that the Republican and Democratic parties in this nation will never affect the changes the gospel of Christ can. They don't have that kind of power. The key to changing our nation is not politics, it's a gospel. That's what will change our nation. Now, certainly we have the right to vote, we ought to vote, and we align ourselves with political parties that we believe best serve our interest and best coincide with scripture. But really, the long or the short of it is, in many cases, you could put them all in a bag and shake them up, and you wouldn't find one bit of difference between any of them. It's corruption in both parties. And so what we need to do is understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ has the power to save. That may not be a popular message, and that may not be, that may not be what people want to hear, but that's the truth. And then there's a second thing. We need to encourage young people, because this, I believe this lady did, to be active in helping the less fortunate. This man was in a leadership position. He was the voice of those who were in situations wherein they were less fortunate in this life. Whatever, whatever profession you choose as a young person, first and foremost, remember you are a Christian servant. I said a moment ago that there are a lot of people in politics today. There was a time, I believe, when people entered into politics because they really wanted to serve people. And that may be the case for some, but in many respects, it's become self-serving. 
Well, this woman is saying, look, you are a servant for the people. And what I want to encourage our young people to do is to be a servant. To realize that we serve others because we belong to Christ. And Jesus Christ was a servant. He took upon himself the form of a servant, being made in the likeness of men, according to Philippians chapter 2. You and I, we can lead by serving. That's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25. Jesus talked about how we as members of the body of Christ, as his followers, we can help other people. He said, I was hungry, what'd you do? You fed me. I was thirsty, what'd you do? You gave me something to drink. I was naked, you clothed me. I was a stranger, you took me in. I was sick and in prison, and you visited me. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, Paul would say, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Galatians 6, verse 10, as we have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially those who are of the household of faith. James 1, verse 27, we are to render aid to the widow and orphan, to those who are in need. And so I think this lady is telling her son, you are an advocate for the poor, the needy, for those who stand in need of help. Because in verse 9 she said, plead the cause of the poor and needy. If you ever take the time to read scripture, one of the things you'll find out is that God has always cared for those who are poor and those who are orphaned. I want to close today by saying this. The hand that rocks the cradle, it rules the world. As a mama, right now, you are shaping and molding the lives of your children to one day be future leaders of this country, to be future leaders of this community and of this state. And so my plea, my prayer is that we would use good judgment and that we would shape and mold our children so that one day they understand the importance of being the salt of the earth and the light of the world. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, I plead to you, come to Christ. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God, John 8, verse 24. If you believe that and you're willing to repent of your sins and confess his name before others, then I'm sure you would be willing to be immersed in water so that every sin can be washed away, Acts 22, verse 16. The Bible says that if you will then be faithful until death, the promise is the crown of life. Maybe you're here today and you're not faithful. You're not what you ought to be. Could we encourage you to come home? The Bible says confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another. Could we encourage you to come home today as we stand and sing?